This episode is brought to you in partnership with Wacom. Across the globe, learning is still handwriting-centric, especially in mathematics and science. This can make the shift to digital tasks challenging. Many schools are seeking effective apps and hardware to ensure a smoother transition for digital learning, especially for STEM lessons. Expanding digital pen and ink technology from teachers to students opens up new possibilities for communication and collaboration in and out of the classroom. Using pen-enabled devices, teachers and students can explain complex concepts, take notes, provide feedback, and show their work quickly and easily. Wacom pen displays and tablets easily plug in to the existing IT equipment in the classroom, enabling members of the class to interact with the digital content being shared. The teacher never even needs to turn their back on the class. Collaboration is simple when working on shared documents and apps with the digital pen. There's no new software to learn. You just work with the pen on the screen or tablet instead of the mouse and keyboard on your computer. As educators, myself, Steve and Ben have all integrated the use of Wacom technology into where we've worked in education, into colleges and schools, and we have seen the benefits for ourselves. So go check it out for yourself. Uh, The link is in the show notes for this episode. Hello and welcome to the Edgy Futurists. Edgy Futurist <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's the Edgy Futurist Podcast. And it's episode 200. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, uh, episode 200. Uh, and you think I would have got the name of the podcast right by now, but uh, we're, we're still working on it. Lads, 200 episodes. I'd say an hour a pop. What's that? Uh, 200 hours. 200 hours. How many days is that? It's just it's nearly ten days. Nearly ten, 10 days. days. It's probably about ten days worth of content just on the main podcast. So if you if you if you do have ten days spare and you don't want to sleep and you just want to listen to the every back episode, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. That's impressive. Is that right? Just working out the maths. It is right, yeah. Two hundred two hundred yeah. hours. <clears throat> yeah, so uh yeah, um have a have a check it out. We've we've lads, we've interviewed some amazing people over the last last few years, five, six years that we've been doing this. Um, and I don't know about you, but every year the, the guests get better and better and, and the scope of what we're, we're talking about and um, just becomes more intriguing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Got to 200. We knew that that number was going to come at some point. Well, we hope that that number was going to come at some point. But if you think about where we first started and and where that came from and, and how that's ended up being the, that big number, it's, uh, it, it, yeah. it's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, we've also kickstarted other people's career, haven't we, in, in podcasts and everything else. You know, so thanks to Damien Joe for us you know, giving you the step up and Oh yeah, Damien Hughes, yeah, we gave it we, we gave him the opportunity. <laughs> now look at him on the high performance podcast. I absolutely agree, Steve. Damien, uh, we we don't charge anything for that. Um we we just want to see you do well, buddy. So But if you want to come back on and have a bit of a chat about how it's going, then uh, yeah, feel free. I'm sure yeah. he's listening to us right now, as he does <laughs> yeah. on a regular basis. I reckon he definitely three minutes in, he's definitely already still listening. Or maybe he switched off by this point, three minutes into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we were, we were talking, before we came on air, we were talking about kind of that that whole thing of, because pretty much every week we're talking to somebody around the world. I think we've talked to people in, in so many different countries, in, in the education systems of those countries, out of the education system, in business, in governments. And I guess we we're kind of in a bit of a unique 
situation where we where we can gradually see trends coming through in education and gradually see innovations happening and and, and the direction of where things are going and I, it's quite a quite a privileged position to be in really to see that happening but also it kind of makes us a bit of a I don't know what you feel but it kind of makes us a bit of a lonely voice a bit of a, a lone voice out there going you know what we we're starting to connect some dots here we're seeing we're seeing someone in Australia pushing towards let's say for example a, a more decentralized education system we're also seeing um, a private company in California doing it we're seeing um, Israel uh, playing with these ideas and and kind of going you know what these these people that might be working in their own silos of their own countries or their own systems but actually there's a there's a phenomenon here that's that is spreading and these and these trends are coming and I think uh, it, it's great that we can we can see that and start to connect those dots on on just how it, how much education is is innovating and I think when I know we're, we're based in in the UK uh, in the north of England um, and the majority of our listeners are over in in the United States uh, but the education system in England very much doesn't change all that much and I think if you if you were to look inward here, you would you wouldn't see all that much change. In fact, in some areas, you would almost see a reversal of of innovation in in some areas. However, when you look at the the global picture, the innovation in education is 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 impressive and it's it's speeding up. It's not it's not it's not slowing down. Yeah, and I remember as part of one of the two hundred and one most you know, when we were doing the the live period during COVID, and we had a uh, the wonderful um, theatrical, um, very vocal, but um, but a good friend of ours, Bob Harrison, on. Um, and I remember after, you know, we went through a process, didn't we, where we discussed everything that Bob had said and the Feltag agenda and everything that had come years, decades before um, ago. And and we kind of challenged ourselves to then think, right, how how do we kind of create a community? How do we continue to push this? So that actually, um, Bob and all these people have come before. Do I say come before us? That's sounding like we're the next, the next coming kind of thing. But like, you know, that that you know, all these people have been doing it for for many many years. Actually, we kind of reviewed and said, how can we? What is it that we've that we've not kind of seen before that will help to kind of? And we talked about you know, the strategies. We talked about not only the the what will be coming, but also the steps to get to that point. And and hopefully we've tried to get guests on um, that help to demonstrate what already is happening, but also can pave the way to get to that point for people, nations, countries, and and everything in between. Because um, that's the key bit. People always say, "Well, yeah, gosh, we, this is this is the aspirational stuff." But how 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 do we start? And how do we get to that point? And I think. Um, We've had so many guests on that basically have said, look, well, we've started and we're paving the way, whether they're new into it or have been doing it for, for a period of time, and this is what you can do and some footsteps to follow. Uh, the challenge for us, I suppose, is as we do our and record our 200th, the positive challenge is how do we continue to get these amazing guests on? That is, you know, for anybody who's run a podcast, that is, the, the, the uh, especially part-time like we do, we're doing alongside busy jobs. That's yeah. a challenge, isn't it? But a positive one. It's one that we enjoy, but still, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. How do we get now, it? Now that you've described yourself as the second coming, I now realise what that beard reminds me of. Well, to be fair, <laughs> there is a, there is a. I don't know if everybody remembers a bit of a call out to my brother. Uh, there's a, there's a film called I don't know if anybody. I think it was on BBC. It was always on ITV 
years and years ago called The Second Coming. Don't know if anybody saw it. Um, go watch it. If not, my brother starred in it. So technically, right. um, the family is a uh, part of The Second Coming. So you're like the third coming because your brother was the second coming. Is that? Is that <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> if, it is interesting you talk about that in terms of like podcast guests, but even like we're scheduling people right into March and April already, aren't we? So like there, there are still people out there and there's still definitely, while there's still... I'm sorry if you can hear drilling in the background. It's just, uh, it always happens at the wrong time, doesn't it? Somebody's drilling at this point, so hopefully it's not too distracting if you're listening. But there's that idea that there's a movement towards, um, uh, that there's still, it, while we're still moving, there are still people to learn from, and we've got still people that we're, we're, we're continuing to to dig into and find out ideas from and uh, and, and learn from. But you're right, Dan, you, was, that you had that conversation that there was a the- this themes that are starting to come out. And I, I think, and trends, I think that that trend around decentralization is an interesting one. And it's a, it's a massive challenge because decentralization as a concept, moving away from control and command and following a prescribed curriculum or specification or way of doing stuff is the challenge, isn't it? Yeah, and I've, even just uh, was it a couple of weeks ago when we had Stefan on the podcast, and he was talking about homeschooling. Now, I think ho- homeschooling. I think we even joked with him about it. Like homeschooling, just even just a couple of years ago, would have been something that you would um, you'd kind of look look a bit funny at someone for doing it. Like, why what are you doing that for? Like, is, are you are you part of a commune? Or sorry if you're homeschooling, and I don't mean to offend you, but I think it's just the stereotypical image of homeschooling. But actually, now, even just within a few years, a lot of in post COVID, I guess as well, where 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 our learners have been learning at home, and there's there seems to be a lot more options out there. And you know, we we talk about this a lot, but all the online options for schooling that are, that are coming up, um, and just the other day, I was I was reading about. Uh, in fact, it was in a book I was reading um, called The Minimalist Entrepreneur, and he talks about uh, a, a company in America who who essentially provides homeschooling lessons around um, like outdoor education and and um, what what do you call it when like woodlands forest, you know, school, stuff. forest school. school stuff? Yeah, that's that's the term. And um, and I and I was just thinking, actually, it's it's becoming it's, more and more people are taking this up in this, and are starting to. Th- look at alternatives to the, the the system that 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 many countries have and i don't think it's always like rage against the machine type stuff <laughs> despite me doing my fist thing again and thinking about that that face-to-face event that we talked about that we had uh, when i had way too many monsters but it's it's not like a rage against the machine in 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 the in the way that we first started, I don't think. Um, I think we've moved into a, and maybe you guys were already there, and maybe I was just angry and felt like I needed to rage against the machine. But we're talking about a system that is, um, as Sagar Tamitra said a few few months ago, it's, it's absolutely engineered to get the results that it needs to get. Uh, it's not it's not broken. The system isn't broken. It's perfectly engineered to do what we need. what we're saying is that the results it's creating aren't the results that needed in the world that we're going into so we're not raging against the machine and saying down with the government get rid of the educate department for education no nobody's saying that i don't i, I don't think um once on a day i think i was saying that <laughs> i think we're what we're saying is we're moving towards this idea that we can almost work within the system and then that that box three stuff that you that we talked about a few few weeks ago dan i think uh um 
I think that's where it sits as well, isn't it? It's that idea of understanding how we do that strategic work on the on the system, um, as well as in the system. Yeah, I think I think it's it's as we as we get all getting older, lads. I think we were kind of we re, we realise that um, we, in, in the in the in the now, students still have to go to school. They still have to learn. They still have to prepare for their future. Um, it, it might not be the system we necessarily agree with or we think is the most effective. However, we can't, you know, like when you get a new school that starts and they're like, right, we're not going to take any students for the first year. We're just going to, we're going to build the culture with the staff first. We're going to, we're going to look, be creative and innovative. 99.9% of the schools can't do that. Our educational providers can't do that because they've, they've got to deal with the students in front of them. And, and I think that, um, and you mentioned the box three innovation uh, coming from the uh, the book uh, box three solutions to innovation, and he very much talks about the th- and, and I know we've done an episode on this, but so I'll I'll not labour on this too much. But the box one being the the performance engine, it's what what's working right now, what's what's kind of bringing in, uh, and, and he talks about from a business point of view because um, it's it's kind of an, a business innovation, but it's it's what's bringing in the income right now. Then he talks about a box three where you, where you go and right, what what's what are the what are the 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 signals, the weak signals coming down the line. Um, in terms of any, he gives loads of examples of where these can come from, new technology, government policy changing in the future, um, cultural changes within society, lots of different w- w- types of weak signals that can come and go and write, well, how, what could we build for the future? And he talks about just dedicating a little bit of capacity within your team, within your time to do that, reminiscent of, I guess, like the Google 20% time as well um, of, of working on that. And then he talks about the box too of going, right, well, it, you're going to need to get to a point where you forget the core drivers of box one in order to make box three happen. And I guess that's the the kind of the bridge from box one over to box three when you're ready to kind of move your idea from box three into box one, if that makes sense. But I think the, the, what I'm trying to say is that box one is still vitally important and you've still got to spend 80% of your time on box one because that's your that's your performance engine at the moment. And if you if you stop doing that, for a business, they're going to go out of business. If an educational provider stops doing the box one, the performance engine stuff, they're gonna they're not going to survive um, much much longer because they're going to get shut down because they're not actually looking after and and dealing with the learners right in front of them in, in that moment. So it's it's being clever about it, isn't it? It's like innovation isn't uh, isn't necessarily a let's chuck everything out now and and start from square one. It's how do we how do we start moving over? How do we start looking at the signals coming down the line and start preparing to to move? Um, and I'm really aware that I nearly wanted to say the word evolution there, um, and I know, we... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's but I I, I I will caveat that I think you can within box one you can make improvements. Mm. You can you can make the current the current performance engine better by tweaking it. It's not box three though. I think you can evolve box one, but in order to move to box three, you do need some kind of revolution. But oh, you need to prepare oh, for that. You don't that, just go. <laughs> that, that, that that was that was perfect, Dan. What you were saying is you're absolutely right. To maintain a system, we need evolution. Um, and you, I'm with you on that. I think, um, and I think we should. Like, I wonder whether our maturity. I say maturity. I don't know if they were immature before, but I wonder if our shift in thinking. 
um, towards this is because we've got our own children in an education system or about to go into an education system. I, I know that certainly, even though I had young children, I was trying to say, this is just broken. I don't want my kids in this. But now, actually, I want my kids to have a really good experience and to have a, and to, even though they're in the system, not to just be a slave to the system and they always be the way that it's always been. Um, but then in the same way, I do want that level of of of, uh, of 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 innovative stuff. Interestingly, you mentioned forest schools, Dan, and I think in the, in it crazy that actually we're talking about not necessarily a, a revolution, um, as in doing something totally innovative and new. We're talking about like returning back to a you could you could even call this a reformation, um, like a and, and not to not to labour the religious uh, overtones again because we've mentioned Steve and his beard and the second coming stuff. I, I never thought that them three things would have been mentioned in the first twenty minutes of an ep- of an episode. But like it's it's almost like we're reforming um, what 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 education is about, whether that is. Mm. Because I, I, I think that that forest school stuff is about getting back to doing things that that really matter, rather than just raw memory of knowledge. Because the knowledge stuff is is there, um, and there's an opportunity. That, not saying we don't do that, but we're saying that there is this opportunity of being in nature. We're talking about sports stuff. Big thing about performance. One of our first podcasts this this year was Joe Moore, wasn't it? And we talked about high performance um, leadership, and we talked about high performance education. Um, Nothing to do with uh, Damien. I know we've mentioned Damien again and uh, and uh, high performance podcast, but we're talking about high performance education and what that looks like. So, from a sport perspective, from a forest schools perspective, we're actually talking about going back to some original ideas as well. So it, it, it is evolution. It's a bit of revolution. It's a bit of reformation stuff as well. It's radical. Like that word radical literally means getting back to the roots. That's what the word radical means. So you've been I reading think... Richard Rohr, haven't you? well <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's it's i think i think that's what we're after we're after a, a radical a radical revolution that sounds really a radical reformation 90s <laughs> surfer language but yeah <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> i've just been listening to the fact that we've talked about evolution and revolution and all the different things um but it is true how, how often do we um, if before we even get into the revolution stage and the the box free stuff, how how often do we go through an ideation and iteration process and a, on a whole system and a whole school? Um, maybe teachers do it. I think teachers do reviews and they look at um, oh that didn't work, this worked, and and how how could I improve my lessons for previous? But I don't think there's enough done, and I don't think there's enough space that we give leaders in education uh, in, in, in many countries to allow them to be able to iterate and develop new ideas and push things forward to then say, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to do more. Of th- I'm going to keep doing more of this. I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to now put something else in. I, I, maybe I'm doing a disservice because I'm not in a school. But a lot of the stuff that you see is, we need more funding, or we need so we from not from a school point of view, from an FE point of view, we're going to put on more adult courses. Okay, what what how are we going to come up with some creative? Are we going to do blockchain? No, we're going to do uh, adult maths and English. Okay, right, okay, and then we're going to do and, and I don't think there's enough focus pushed on the creative elements and the the real big ideas of what could be done in the future that might take a bit of time to to get the numbers in. It's now right. We need the numbers in. Let's do something that we've always done, and hopefully. That brings something in, I think. But but that's 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 the nature of 
business as well, isn't it? It's like I, I was I was thinking about this um, in a conversation with uh, with a mate of mine who's also self employed, um, and it, it made me it made me really think that we all we can't always do all the cool stuff. Me and Amanda were talking about it as well. Like not every job and every part of every job is the glamorous stuff of oh let's have a let's have a philosophical conversation about like the future of education or let's go on a webinar and talk about our thoughts on this and and some people obviously get paid for that kind of stuff but the reality is i've still got to do my tax return i've still got to i've still got to make sure that i've I've done my calendar and there's going to be some tasks that i do that i get paid for that are in that that quadrant that i talk about quite a lot that that boring and uh, but easy conversation it's that it's easy so i've got to carry on doing it and i wonder whether that is the case in our education system that we 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 can't just say i'll tell you what we're going to do we're going to scrap the curriculum totally we're going to have no exams there's going to be no performance tables there's going to be no um staff appraisals there's going to be no observations there's going to be oh, oh let's get rid of it all and then what we're going to do actually what we'll do very quickly is probably still think right we really like that bit uh that bit still works or Oh, oh, we've got nothing to do. Let's uh, let's get a textbook. <laughs> let's get a let's get a and, and we actually fall back into the the, the things that we've always done. Um, so so I, I'm not necessarily saying we throw the whole baby out with the bathwater stuff, do we? I think that's think that's where we're at, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and if you look at to be honest, especially in the UK, out of the context where where we live. Uh, there's a lot of lot of educational providers, schools, really, really, really evolving the performance engine at the moment. Really, really pushing box one. Um, and uh, and I know we've said it before on the podcast. Like those those schools like Michaela um, that are, are are making education really, really efficient. And I know we talk about kind of the factorization of 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 schools and making them into factories and and but I think it's true that's that, that a good factory and I know I, I know I'm really conscious that I was just repeating the previous podcast here but um uh but I, I've, I've got Greg, Greg Wallace in my head again uh, when he goes to the factories on there's a, there's a TV show on Ooh. BBC2 where Greg Wallace from uh, MasterChef visits factories but uh, <laughs> um Steve you you've watched it haven't you Never heard of it, mate. Just no, go into seriously. a little more detail of who was Greg Wallace and what's Master Chef. <laughs> but essentially, the 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 kind of the bit on every episode that's kind of the most impressive is how's that factory made like become very very efficient. So, I guess from one end of the factory to the other end of the factory, whatever products being made in in two hours because they've engineered the system so much so, and made it so bespoke to that product that they've. That they, they can churn out the same thing repeatedly over and over and over and over again at an impressive rate, and I think that to me that's what the the evolution of Box One, the 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 iteration of of the performance engine, that's what it does because you're still in that container, aren't you? You're still in the Box One where you're like, right, we need to get this knowledge in, into our students. They need to pass these exams at the end of the day. Um, and it's it's making that as best as 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 you as you can get it, but I think what we're saying here is, y- yeah. But where's the box three thinking? Where's the actual? Where's the stuff where you go right? How can we actually? How can we actually change the container? How can we change? How can we change the factory? How can we? How can we instead of producing the same old products? How can we actually 
produce different types of products that are more relevant, that are more bespoke to the to to the world. If that makes sense. Yeah, but imagine a factory where you make it as efficient as possible, but also things can't ever improve. So you get to a point where we go through all this process with, with, with our young people, but actually they're capped in regards to um, how good they can do en masse. They can never get to a level where they demonstrate. Um, imagine if people start getting 100%. Imagine if the percentage of our young people started getting these grades. Um, I, I, I always struggle with the fact that if somebody... Um, and I know it's based on you know, the way it's run and everything else, but like you know, there can never be more than an Im- Im- improvement on previous year by a certain percentage. Why is that? Why is it? Why is it? Why is it not yeah. that the fact that that we go through all this process, we try and make it more efficient, and we try to get the best students we possibly can, and then we get to the end of the year when actually we're saying what we're going to do is we're going to put parameters in place so you actually can never be, you could have never improved on the previous students that sat these exams by a certain percentage because. Actually, that would be frowned upon, and we'd be saying that exams have got too easy. We'd have to go through the whole system change again. But I, I think- suppose individual, like schools, for example, can improve, can't they? They can improve their their offset rate, and they can improve their their results in comparison to the rest of the the country or the rest of the cohort within the country that year. But that's going to require one to go down, isn't it? To maintain the average, Ab- it's, going to re- it's going to require that. Absolutely, isn't it? and we can. And I think that I think we're. I mean, I think all we're doing here is get is is knocking up against the limitations of the analogy. But the <laughs> I, I agree. There's but within that kind of container of let's just improve it, improve it, improve it, improve it. There is improvement there, but it's I think I think and I think what what we're saying is it's not the the direction or the improvement that we, we yeah. think needs to happen. It's, Th- it's that's not just, exactly what I think we're saying. Yeah, I th- I think we're saying that. The improvement is great. Let's get really good. Um, the, the mach- like you said, you use the example there of the uh, combustion internal combustion engine. Like we're getting really, really good at making that super efficient. But now we've moved to uh, we've moved to a different type of engine, or we're using a different type of battery, or we're having electric cars, or we might not even have cars at all. It's that, um, <laughs> and I know that. I, I, again, Bob, Bob Harrison is getting two shout-outs here um, in, in the first half an hour of this episode. It's that, that idea around um, if, you, if you'd have asked, um, uh, oh, oh, now I've ruined it. Do you know about that getting faster horses? If you'd have asked the majority of people, they wanted faster horses, didn't they? Not necessarily, not necessarily a, uh, the, the motor car. Most people wanted faster horses, and they wanted that. Like, let, let's engineer the horse, or let's get the horses so that the horses can run faster and that they can move faster, and this and that and the other, as opposed to a, a car engine. Are, are we talking about that kind of analogy now? Are we talking about the, the the schooling system that we're in? Is we're trying to make faster horses, or are we talking about there's a motor car? I don't know. And it's interesting. I can't remember. It was um, a month or so ago where we talked about this, didn't we? Where we talked about the fact that. Um, it might have been Adam Roney actually. It was, I think, it was on when we talked about like blockchain, or we talked about metaverse and web free and everything else. And we we talked about as part of that conversation. Um, the problem often is that we're trying to design in these new future, in in, in what will be the future. We're trying to design in a chocolate by currently what is the past and the present. So we're trying to create in the metaverse something that looks like a classroom or we're trying to create something that looks like something and we try 
and we talked about in meetings and what's to say there's a desk and what's to say there's this and what's because actually we're creating it based on the mind of what we're we've already formed our experiences and our habits and we're actually um it's an interesting to see what would be you know that when we you hear so many different the classroom of the future okay well it's scary but what happens if there is no classroom you know, like that that iteration of the classroom of the future has been there so many different times, and 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 positively that phrase has been used really, really well. But actually, what's to say there's a classroom? Can't learning be everywhere? Does do they need it? There's now the online schools, and we've we've talked about that with, in so many different episodes this year. Positively, oh. absolutely, you know, so many variations of that, uh, and whether you've been interested in that or whether you think that is is the right way to go. But what's to say that classrooms? And I know. Their fee system is going through a shake-up and what um, they've tried to achieve in terms of learning spaces and learning space design in comparison to a traditional um, secondary or primary school where it's boxed in and there's a number of classrooms. The problem is you try and move it and, and then shackles come back. And I just don't know whether we've kind of got a grip on one. Unless we kind of can think beyond what's currently there, um, we'll always have an iteration of, of what's currently here, I think, is what so, I'm thinking. So- no, no, I, I get. So actually, what we're saying is, we we are still. If we put it in terms of like percentage wise, these three boxes. And if you haven't, I know we keep talking about three boxes, and and Dan did a a, a little synopsis there. It's episode one hundred and ninety. If you haven't um, listened to it already, that's where we talk about this three box strategy in in, in a lot of detail. I think what you're saying there, Steve, is that a good ninety percent of the time that we maybe even more we're spending on box one. Um, and I wonder if we need to. I, I, I don't know. The, what do you think, lads? Maybe do we need to do more of the box two stuff, the selectively forgetting the past um, and uh, letting some things go in order to be able to do one and three in more equal measure? I don't know. That's that's a that's a thought that maybe we need to look at what we're going to stop doing because there's only a finite amount of time because actually if you look at teacher overload and well-being and the dropout rate the fact that we've got probably six that in the uk they're saying now one of the stats is that we've got six thousand fewer trainee teachers than we than we need um it's like we're not in a position to to, to have to have a, a system that's sustainable is that because um we are trying we haven't we're trying to bolt things on it's almost like that um the bolt on method uh, that you keep bolting things on and you don't actually remember what the original point of it was because you've because you've added so many bolt-ons on is that is that what we maybe need to do spend a bit more time in box two just selectively determine what we're going to forget and not use yeah and i think it's one of the challenges it's one of the hot topics and i don't think um it's really big i suppose they're trying to tackle it or they're trying to deal with it, but I don't know if you speak to a teacher and the amount of time that's in the classroom compared to um, just at that level, um, if you go up there, so if you say a teacher, what time is in the classroom or what time is spent on the, the learning rather than actually the, and I suppose feedback and assessment and all those kind of things, marking, planning, um, and then you go up and, and as a leader, what time is spent on paperwork, what spent is time is spent on the future of, uh, of the learning in that space rather than that and the curriculum and, and the design and the development and the engagement with employers compared to writing of reports and providing board papers or something like that. And I think the administration has become so unwieldy and we do it, but actually 
the biggest thing that I would say is that needs to be the review because that would then create space. I don't think there's any teacher that would want to spend less time in a classroom. I don't think there's any leader that would want to spend less time leading sporting, speaking to their staff and students. That are, um, but actually, the administration point of view in terms of writing reports or any of that, what what impact is, is potentially that having? Um, why is it that you have to plan so meticulously um, as somebody that's got the experience? Um, quite a few years ago when I was in education as a teacher, the parameters were different to be an outstanding practitioner. Um, I'll be honest, and I've said it openly, I don't know whether I would be able to maintain an outstanding, an outstanding teacher um, in today's world in, in England. Mm. I don't think I could. I think mm. I would be outstanding in terms of the, the, the actually in there, but the parameter is a place and every step that you have to be, not just about the teaching and learning in the classroom, everything else. Um, what, what's, really stra- what's really strange, and Dan, I don't know if you'll cringe at this, um, is that I, when I was uh, going through my Google Drive the other day, I was looking, I was searching for something particularly re- regarding religious studies, and it came up, your um, your portfolio came up, actually, um, of, you know, obviously when we were working together at Accrington, and it showed, like, how meticulously your uh, paperwork was and all your planning and your, your schemes of learning. Really? Yeah, and I was looking at it. I was thinking, I didn't go into it in loads of detail, but I was like <laughs> thinking to myself, "Well, I mean, I don't think I ever planned in that level of detail or put that many, um, put that many resources." Together Shiver by teaching practice, but you know, let's not go into that. <laughs> was a bit but, no, but, but what, I'm, what I, I think to myself, and I was probably, I was only a few years before you in terms of my training and what was expected of me as a trainee teacher in terms of what then what became expected of you and then what is now expected of teachers and trainee teachers. And I just think, I think you're right, Steve, the the art of teaching or the art of teaching, learning and assessment has become more about the art of administration and organisation. Um, and, and I think record keeping and those kind of things, which is maybe why the teachers look like they do and they're t- sort of tired as they are. And we love teachers. And we, even though we wrote a, a, um, a newsletter recently that was called a few weeks ago that we talked about, um, we, we don't need more teachers because what, because what we don't want is just to keep churning out the same of people having to do 50, 60, 70 hour weeks, but actually in front of children, they're probably doing 25 hours of, in front of children. <laughs> and then the reality is, is they're doing that again, on the stuff around it that's just that's that's not a system that's sustainable um and especially when the pay and conditions and the stuff that goes with it doesn't doesn't ma- doesn't match that so you can understand why there's a why there's a, ch- a chance and i wonder whether then it is about that what what do we not need to do why are we trying to jump through all these um these elements and these hoops um so, so that we can i, I don't know like continuously improve and 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 whatever else and then eventually it, there's just overwork and there's there's so much stuff in box one that box one is kind of about to explode yeah and i think when you when you're talking there you really reminded me of what manish janega was saying uh three weeks ago because he was talking about the healthcare system and and it sounds like you could literally have t- change the word education for health there and and i think you'd be describing exactly the same issues that the the healthcare systems in in the uk and the, and the fact that the there's there's no capacity to to think differently to look down the line at what could actually what could actually 
transform healthcare and, and make it more efficient and 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 instead we've got well, we've got nurses out on strike at, at the moment um in the uk from the Nas- national health service um, because they're being overworked um more and more jobs like i was listening to it an interview the other day with a nurse on on uh the lb on lbc radio and they were talking about how literally when somebody in their department leaves now there's no policy to rehire they just share the work out amongst themselves and and they've had 10 years of doing that to the point now where people are people are, are starting people's backs are breaking because the amount of work on, on them but you'll but you'll know that dan and you'll know that as well steve from an education perspective that is absolutely the, the position that we're in so if somebody leaves the first question now is not let's get a job advert out it's do we need to replace this person well what is that saying about the value of their work anyway that is definitely what's happening in educational leadership situations and i understand we've got to we've got to manage budgets and the things that go with that we're in are we in recessions and and i know that we don't want to get into that level of political discourse but i think you're i think you're absolutely right that um it's because what we've done i i wonder whether it's that that thing of i mentioned earlier that bolt-ons thing we've added so many bolt-ons that it's it's, it's fallen away from the original reason why and as a teacher like as a former teacher sorry i say that uh as somebody who just got frustrated i would like you said steve you i think very similar in the sense that in front of in front of a group of kids um around a topic that I'm passionate about, I, I reckon I can I reckon I can hold me on against most people. But the bolt on stuff, that's where it, it just goes, mm, maybe, maybe it's not for me anymore. It's interesting, isn't it? Because going back to Manish, he said if you if you if you took a survey of the country and asked them what what right, we've got a hundred million, what what we're gonna spend it on for the for the NHS, he said overwhelmingly people would say more doctors, more nurses, more ambulances. He said actually it's and, and I suppose if if you if you did similar with education, people would say the same, wouldn't it? More, we need more teachers, more teachers, more teachers. Actually, it it there's no kind of desire there to go. Well, what to jump into box three and go? What what could we do completely different here? Um, instead of just and and I guess that that just more of everything the same is just prolonging the the performance engine, isn't it? At the moment. It's just prolonging box one. Yeah. Um, in fact, <laughs> um, it's probably a good example of where where two systems that have missed the boat to jump into box three, and are now just are now just re- um, trying to um, keep box one going at any cost. Yeah, and just going right. Let's just let's just have more things more. And to be honest, and and not that I'm agreeing with them in, in this in the slightest or or, or supporting them rather. But I, I listened to an interview with Rishi Sunak, who's the Prime Minister, and he said, and he said they're they're making the argument because obviously there's a lot of pressure on the government at the minute to give more, give more, give more, and they're making the argument. At no point have have the NHS ever had more funding. It's, it's having record funding year on year at the moment, and and I guess that's right. But I suppose it just highlights the fault of going. Well, actually, if you're just throwing more and more and more money, more resource at a system that is failing or a system that needs to needs to radically um change then it doesn't matter how much more you're giving it it's yep. still a failing system it's like it's just keeping it alive isn't it it's just keeping it's it filling a leaky bu- it's filling a leaky bucket isn't it literally it's that it's that kind of like when or what we'll do is we'll put a little plaster over that or we'll, or we'll, we'll maybe let's just take some water out of it 
and put less pressure on it, or let's get a different consider a different bucket as whatever else. So that's 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 what's happening. Yeah. But the, the the problem is um there seems to be an infatuation. So not from a, a, a health point of view, but from an education point of view, a lot of funding, and, and I can only speak for FE because that's where I spent 17 years, it's infatuation where the government would be giving out millions of pounds a year to build new buildings. Hmm. And some organisations need it, but at the same point, is that the best way forward? And when you start to review it and you think, oh, there's this funding coming down and it's the future of learning and development, blah, 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 and it's like, Oh no, that can only be spent on 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 new buildings, and can only be spent on bricks and mortar and blah 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 blah. And I'm sure there's more into buildings than that, but that's not that's not box free. That's not thinking. Here's a pot of money to to move things and put colleges forward around a new idea. Basically, what they're saying is, build a building. Well, we because you can then demonstrate and hold something up and show us some pictures about what we've invested in. We're going to invest in that and. As much as the government say that they they're repeating and putting so much in, they're putting it's all all money for new rope, I suppose, or new money for whatever they're saying is the fact that they're just building new buildings, but they're not yeah. thinking about hybrid learning, online learning, blended learning, all of the positives that we potentially should have learned. Um, and the narrative of no, it didn't work. Get students in the buildings. We need to build more buildings. Yeah, but they're it's expensive. A shiny, it's a shiny toy thing, isn't it? As well. Yeah, it's that idea of like the new building makes it shiny. Same with the tech thing, or that, or that. Let's just keep them quiet. We'll give them, an, we'll give them something there, and they'll keep that. will keep them quiet. Like mm. it's, it's that mentality, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, new wine and old wineskins is, is what I was. Oh wow! Well, well, we're playing on <laughs> these religious themes, Dan. This is good. Steve's like, I've no idea what you're talking. about. No, I have no idea what, what you're talking about. But, but like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, 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 I get it, and and I remember. Um, been involved in a process when I was in education through, um, and I've mentioned it before, G, with, with Junior Rogers, my old, one of the leaders I was involved in, and we looked at what was um, what was currently the, the system in terms of or what was currently the offer for maths and English, and we looked at all of the design, and I know I've mentioned it before, and we said, well, people coming in and the stat and Dan, I think you've mentioned it previously, you know, the, the statistic on maths and English. I think it was those um, young people that leave um, secondary school. Um, I think it's something like 19% or it was from the AOC report at that time when I, when I did the article and I did the work, 19% of people would ever go on and pass um, or be seen as a, a success in maths if they didn't get it in schools. 19% was AOC. Yeah. This, report. this year it was GCSEs, a third of all GCSEs were were less than the standard pass rate. Yeah. But what so, we're saying is ever to ever, yeah, so ever to ever go yeah. back on. So nineteen percent would ever go on and get a maths GCSE. Okay. So we said, right, well, let's have a look at what we're currently doing. And and the the, the existing system at Leeds, uh, where I was based, uh, was getting the students and doing exactly the same thing, even though they'd just been told they were a failure for whatever reason. We didn't have the detail because the awarding body held on to that. So we, we then had to re-diagnose them in regards to their strengths and, and weaknesses. <clears throat> and then we put them in a classroom with probably higher than they had at school, 30 kids, maybe more, um, across varying um, ages, varying um, backgrounds, varying successes uh, in terms of what grade they've been given. And then doing exactly the same thing, delivering over 30 weeks and then getting them to do an exam. And we kind of reviewed it and we brought in loads of different people that would support that learning process around coaches, 
around apprentices, t teaching assistants, around um, all this other stuff and built new spaces that would kind of build, allow students to be guided through learning and, and all of those kind of things because it, just getting more teachers in just wasn't working for us. Uh, and I'm not saying it was uh, a straight-line success, but the, the results uh, and focusing on progress of those students rather than just getting that pass, which potentially the aspiration was 80% of students or over 80% of students would ever go get it, um, actually it's better to improve their understanding of mathematics and those skills that they would help them in the workplace rather than getting a higher grade. Um, and you know what? I, I still think that's probably one of the biggest and best things I've ever involved in, ever, ever. Absolutely loved it. We we spent time looking at the process, I, coming up with as many ideas as we can and iterating of what was existing and constantly changing it. And like I said, there's some people would look and say, well, no, I don't get it. But I, I think it was a success based on what we tried to achieve. It did. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it was a model that lots of people looked at. And I know that when, when I was at Burnley, we were talking to you and asking, well, how were you doing this? And, and like, what were you doing in terms of a, of, of a different approach? And, and I think you think you said, did you not say at one point that you had the most amount of people simultaneously taking a maths GCSE anywhere in the UK? Um, was that that was that was the case, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was five thousand students sat at an exam on that day with us. Yeah, and 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 so you think to yourself, like <laughs> that, if anybody's going to do something radical, it was going to be somebody who was doing the having the biggest amount of uh, students doing it. And you think that 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 is not necessarily a common practice, is it? To sit back and say, rather than just keep doing and throwing loads at what we're already doing, let's just stop and go. I'm not sure this is working. Or it's not not sure it's having the, the. Is there a different way for us to get the impact? Is there a different way to skin this cat? Um, perhaps perhaps there is. I, I wonder whether as we um, as we think about it and we think about episode two hundred here today, and we've looked at some of the people that we've interviewed. Um, we've talked about we've talked about upschool Gavin McCormack and stuff from um, from 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 Australia. We've had conversations with Garrett Smiley from Sora. We've talked to. Um, all sorts of others. We've talked about people in the metaverse. We've lots and lots of conversations about Web three and about blockchain. Is 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 what we're suggesting? Um, and I know that we we naturally go into box three. Is what we're suggesting um, that? Oh, here we go. Is box is the box two stuff that we need to maybe get rid of the expectation that? Um, it always has to be done in a physical classroom and building. Is that one of the things that we're trying to maybe suggest it needs to go into box two? Well, Is that what you're saying to? well, I know we talk about edgy futurist and edgy and, but it's, it's about learning and it? it's about what's, you know, that is the force focus and education is learning pretty much. And, and I always go back to Sagata and that experiment um, rings true to me. The fact that in a, a world before the internet and, and PCs and technology that we now use day to day in terms of mobiles and computers and everything else existed. That experiment of putting students in a, 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 a space to learn themselves on a street um, in a different language and everything else and to do it and how that then created the soul theory demonstrates that actually there's more than one way to do it. And I think what we've done is where we need to listen to more voices rather than be so quick to criticise um, what potentially some people are, are predicting. And I think we have a, a wonderful way 
and and so many voices in and that you'll see on social media to polarize and and chastise these people quickly that that is completely wrong and look at the research that's already gone well how do you demonstrate research when it's a new idea that sometimes some of the best paths that we can create are not the ones that you build and i've said this before where how many times do you go to a park and you see a muddy path where somebody's created a, a, a walkway that they've created themselves to get to something better and, 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 and create something different that then becomes a walkway. don't know if you know that, but York University, I think it was one of the universities in the UK, uh, didn't put any paths into their buildings. They basically got students to walk around, uh, pick their paths, and then design, put them in after. Um, maybe we do that. Maybe we kind of see where it leads us rather than just uh, criticising um yeah, that was the, one of my biggest learnings. And I, I, I've must have listened to his podcast quite a few times back, actually, for writing, for blogs, for loads of different stuff. Um, that that whole process of it, it takes a teacher to be there and to tell them what to do rather than actually to guide them and, and coach them, ask questions, I think is is the thing that I most dis, that I disagree with. That that has to be the case. Yeah, I, I think as well. Just to kind of put the just to step in from the other point of view that I think a lot of teachers are they're working in a system. I think if you ask most teachers, they're working in a system that they know that is not it's not optimal. Um, but they need to move, and I guess this I guess it's the move, it's the giving up, isn't it? It's the box two. They need to know that what they're if they're gonna give something up, that they're moving to something quite immediately as well in order to in order to maintain the the performance engine of box one they need to move to it immediately and it needs to be better than than what they're doing at the moment and i think a lot of the stuff that we talk about and the stuff that we explore is is early phase things it's it's things that are still like at the beginning it's still things that are grown and I, and I know that doesn't count for everything because I know we talk about things like project learning and you just have to look at like X, XP schools that are that are, are doing a, a really good job of that um and so it, it is that kind of thing is possible but even then you would have to it's not something that a, a single teacher could do it almost the whole the way the whole way the school is is run and the, the whole approach of teaching and learning would have to be uprooted for that to happen so it's not like an individual teacher can really change that and i think and i know it's just some of the, the stuff we get that because when you do a podcast that's quite provocative like we do you, you get a lot of um negative feedback as well as positive feedback and i know it's something that we welcome and we 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 engage in those conversations and um, because that's that's we see that's the what we see the job of this podcast to do to create those conversations and i suppose a lot of a lot of the criticism is well how is it relevant how is it relevant to somebody on the ground teaching right now um and i think a lot of it isn't it's not and i don't think that's the purpose of of necessarily what we do it's not this isn't a podcast and what we do at edufuturist isn't uh, a step-by-step guide of how you improve a practice in a in a lesson for example, and there's plenty of those types of people out there, and we've had them on the podcast. Just thinking of Alice Keeler as one, probably one of the most popular um, ed tech people out there to follow, who just gives you practical tips that you can use in a classroom to improve practice using technology. Amazing, but that's not what we're doing here. We're not our business here isn't necessarily to give practical tips to get to the next stage. It's it's more stepping back from the whole system and going what's coming down the line. Granted, that's not necessarily going to help 
the average teacher in a classroom who 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 works those sixty hours a week. Um, but it is just it. The whole point is to get us thinking, isn't it? As a as a collective, as a whole, of actually how do we how do we move towards what's what's coming, what these what's coming down the line. And I think when we say trends, we don't mean something gimmicky. We we're saying trends because we see it as something that's gone beyond a gimmicky phase. It's something that's actually been adopted. Um, and it's yeah, it's. Um, I just really worry that we're we're not in a position within the system to to spend spend any time in box three. But the 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 organisations and and they tend to be private organisations that are exploring box three and are improving it are coming. They're coming like a steam train down the line at the moment, and and we can't see it because we're because we're we're too busy focused in that focusing on the. The, the power engine of the performance engine of of keeping box one going but i really see that there's going to be a it's some of the things something's going to come to a head soon in the next few years where where and i've said it before but where parents are going to start opting for other options that are that are, that are more more relevant that are more suit their children in terms of how their children live and work um, and, I, and I really think that, because you know, I mean, we're talking about innovation here, and innovation is a buzzword that gets overused, and I really hope that we've got across the message that what, when we talk about innovation, we're actually talking about something fairly specific here. We're not just talking about something that's new that you're going to give a go. Um, we're not just talking about iteration, because that's that's still in box one. We're talking about something that's, that's true innovation here, and I really think that innovation like that has been seen as an optional extra for too long. As, as something that oh well it's just it's one of those fancy new companies that that play around with with uh and and and, and yeah do design thinking and and stuff like that and but actually it's 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 the mechanism to survive i think and i think if we're if they're especially going back to education if we're not if we're not doing that then we're not gonna survive and the system's not going to survive or it'll or it'll keep going just purely because it's linked so intrinsically to 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 have the the government works, but it'll, the life will have gone out of it, and and people will start voting with their feet. Agreed, I absolutely agree. I think I think we'll get to that point of people opting out. Um, the, the reality is that we've probably got a lot of um, families that can't opt out um, because w- they can't afford to homeschool or they can't afford to. Um, do alternative versions of education. And I think that's the reason why we're banging the drum that we're talking about, because we're saying that every child doesn't just mean the rich children, the children from middle class. And uh, I went round there, um, the most phenomenal private school ever. Like there's just not down the road from us and they've got some of the stuff they've got. is just phenomenal. They've got 13th century frescoes on the wall and they've got, like it's phenomenal. Um, But not everybody's got the access to do that and pay 36,000 pounds a year to school their children or to, to do something a bit alternative. I get it. Um, so we've got, we've got to do something um, within the system and do something box one, box two, box three. Um, uh, and I think that's what we're trying to bang the drum of. And I, I would suggest that at the end of a year, that's what we have tried to bang the drum of for <clears throat> 200 episodes. 
but also the episodes this year, and uh, we'll continue to bang that drum. And it's interesting as we go forward, and I, I want to make, make sure everybody is, and even though we, we, we are provocative about things like not needing more teachers and not just continuing the same, when there is absolutely nothing in what we talk about, which is which is dissing the teacher on the ground. Uh, please, please make sure you hear that. Um, if you're listening to this, we are not, not one of us is trying to suggest that teachers are doing a bad job. School leaders are doing a bad job. Um, even even almost the politicians are always doing a bad job. It's not ne- we're not at people because we believe in teachers. And actually, something that we want to announce um, with a little bit more detail around today, um, he, 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 hopefully, is proof that we do love teachers. We love the fact that teachers are willing to go above and beyond, and we think that uh, the education is is the future of the world. And I know we we, we joke about it, and it sounds very trite. Education is the way out for so many people. So. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, and I think one of the things over the last two hundred episodes that we've been really proud of is, as we've we now not only explore the future of education, but when we come across it, we we celebrate it. And for the last few years, we've we've had to move that celebration, our Edufuturist Awards annual award ceremony, online because of COVID and and everything that's happened, but. Um, um, as we announced at the last awards, uh, which you can watch on our website at edufuturist.com, next year it's going to be in person. Uh, yes, we've, we've booked the venue, haven't we, lads? We have. I know, I know it's, it's very, very exciting. Uh, we are in person on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. Um, there's probably going to, some, going to be some jokes around that as well. May the 4th, Thursday, the May the 4th in Leeds, which we um, is not because Steve lives in Leeds. We found a uh, phenomenal venue that we think will be um, very, very exciting. It's going to be a celebration of a number of things. So the 4th of May, um, yeah, it's going to be an evening event. A uh, little bit funky. We're going to be putting loads and loads of information about that going forward. But May the 4th, 2023, at um, Duke Studios in Leeds. Is that what it's called, Dan? Um, yeah. Dan, I've just popped Duke Studios in Leeds. Uh, like I said, on our socials and on our website, you'll be able to find out more information about that kind of stuff. Uh, do head over to edgefuturist.com to have a look at that. But, um, yeah, we're excited that uh, it's going to be a celebration of our awards event. Uh, so our award winners will be a celebration of that. Um, yeah, we'll just yeah. watch this space because we're very, very excited as we're planning it, aren't we? Yeah, it's, it's, and yeah, I think what you're saying there, it's going to be the, instead of a traditional award ceremony, and we've kind of went down that route in recent years of, of award after award, and, and they're always good fun and always a good laugh. I think we've decided because we're getting together in person for the first time first time in a long time with the Edge of Futurist community and, and, and hopefully our, our award winners, that we it's going to be more of a party vibe. We're going to have... Um, uh, we'll, yeah, there's going to be entertainment. There's going to be Dan. Dan, Dan wants to say what we want to say, but we'll leave that, we'll leave that as a future like drip feed announcement. It's like like we do marketing. It's like we know what we're talking about. Drip feed announcement. Yeah, it's going to be good, and we're going to be announcing um, uh, certain packages as well for you to to come along um, very 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 soon. So um, yeah, look out for them. Um, they will be very much affordable, and you will get your value back um, in food drink merchandise so yeah. um it'll be well worth it and uh and, and i i don't you don't need me to say there's going to be there'll be limited spaces obviously so um so do watch out for that and we'll be announcing it on our social channels yeah definitely just just in that just um 
that also shows you that we uh, the awards for 2023 are going to be live, going to be working, going to get nominations in and uh, wanting to make sure that we celebrate the community. As we've talked about all the stuff today around the future of education, the future of education, um, there are people that are really pushing the boat and we want to celebrate them and champion them alongside our partners and sponsors who have continued to support us in that so make sure that when uh, when those announcements come out if you aren't already following us on socials at edufuturist um then please please uh, connect with us on there we're on uh, we're on most of the channels there or if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter yet um, you can go over and jump onto that as well and you get a weekly update of all the stuff that we are doing um, and our thought process, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, head over to edgefuturist.com for that. Absolutely. So that was episode 200. I've just I did a little, little bit of maths in my head and I think episode 300 will be in about two and a half years time. So, Well, that's that's if we just stick at one episode a week. You know, Dan, we might, just get, we might, we might go big time and decide we're, we're going to do more than one episode a week. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> when we write that book, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 200, well done, man. Um, We're really going to have to uh, pump up our uh, sponsorship package for the podcast if that's going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Have a good break um, and a good break yeah. with family and whatever else when it comes. And, and you, yeah, Steve, man. as well. I know you've had to shoot off, but yeah, have a great time with the family. And uh, um, hopefully as we go into 2023, we'll see some exciting things. One, two, three.